This is exactly right. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! What's up, everyone? It's That's Messed Up Podcast, an SVU pod. I messed it up, but hey, my name is Lisa Traeger. I've truly, truly, this is episode 156, and I messed up the name of our podcast. <laughs> We're trying to fly too, high, too close to the sun. We're trying to mix it up every time, and it's just, it's hard. Um, That's Kara, Kara, by Clank, the way. <laughs> your, other, your other host. This is a mess already, and I'm loving it. Uh We're an SVU recap podcast. We talk about the true crime it's based on, and then we also interview a guest usually, which we have not been doing, but the Hollywood strike of the century is over. The SAG uh, strike has ended. Um, Well, it hasn't really been voted on yet, and I'm seeing all these people go, watch out for this AI stuff, but it looks like it's over, and uh, we are going to be working to get some guests back online in the future, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, we're really excited about that. I did want to say I wore our fanny packs. I really like our merch. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was wearing the That's Messed Up um, fanny pack, and I went to our our weed store in our neighborhood, and <laughs> the security guard there, he's like, oh, so that's your podcast? And I was like, how'd you know it was mine? He goes, you got to be representing. And I was like, do I look like a door? Like, how did he know I wasn't just supporting a different podcast? I know. <laughs> Like, because I've seen people at our shows with the fanny pack, and I don't know how he knew I was wearing my own merch. Oh, my God. Because this famously happened to me at Jumbo's Clown Room, a strip club where they do keep their clothes on. And a stripper from the from the stage went, oh, my God, I love your fanny pack. What is that? And then I had to tell her, it's my own podcast. Keep dancing, bitch. I um, am <laughs> <laughs> embarrassed. Um, but I did buy. So oh, my friend's boyfriend works at PAX. And so I've I, he gifted me one of these pens like years ago, Ooh, and, I, and I've never used it because I like the burn of a joint. I want to make the worst vehicle possible for me. Yeah. Um. But I finally bought a little thing for the packs. I can't wait for your journey. Should I try it right now? I got Blue sure. Dream. <laughs> well, yeah. Not paying you- this isn't an ad, but I I you know I watched the documentary. I think the documentary was supposed to be a why not to smoke packs and jewel. But it was supposed to I, be a deterrent, but <laughs> instead for you, it's been a full marketing ploy and it's worked. <laughs> I looked at the box and I go, you know what? Maybe that vapor will save my life. Uh, wait, but speaking of merch, I wanted to just mention we've been posting it on our Instagram, but we have a new T-shirt. You guys loved the sweatshirts that we're wearing in our fall tour 
uh, promo looks. And we decided to make Lisa's sweatshirt in that one, the crimson one into a merch item. It is on the exactlyrightstore.com. It's up and it's going to ship in early December. So if you want it for Christmas gifts, you should get it soon because, um, you know, all the Christmas shipping and all that shit. But it's so cute. It's like an old school college sweatshirt that says that's messed up, established 2020. And then in the center, you can't tell all the time from our promotion of it, but it does say ambitious and tipsy and has like a little bit of like cute, uh, that's messed up, uh, seal on it, if you will. So if you are a student at that's messed up, you, you need to grab this. Also the, do you have children detective shirts, um, have been restocked. They're now like a different, they're now like a slouchy t-shirt. So they were like a muscle tee and now it's a slouchy t-shirt. Get involved, get one of those. We love seeing you guys at our live shows, popping in, in our merch. It's so fun. It really is exciting. Yeah. Also, Lisa and I famously have been running into each other at the airport or meeting each other at the airport dressed as twins in our purple That's Messed Up sweatshirt, which is still available online, as well as the Is This Merch beanie. And speaking of popping into our live shows... I cannot let you guys not know that we are going to be in Sacramento on December 13th. We had the best time in Sacramento last year. Please get your tickets, Sacktown. Um, our 6 p.m. New York show is like dangerously close to selling out. I think, honestly, there's four tickets left. And then we added a nine o'clock show. Don't embarrass us, you guys. If the six o'clock is sold out and the nine o'clock doesn't have enough people, I'm going to cry. I just think it will be a really fun Christmas night together in New York at City Winery. They've got amazing food. They've got a fun ambiance. Grab a friend. Come on over. Philadelphia on the 17th. Come on over, baby. Then we're in Philly (laughs) on the 17th. And then we're kicking off the new year in Seattle at the Wet City Comedy Festival on January 7th. Lisa will be there on the 6th. Um, and Wear your American flag regalia. We're going to celebrate January 6th <laughs> in all of its glory because the election was a fraud, JK. <laughs> but well, we- go, to, um, go to that'smesseduplive.com. That actually has the link to all of our tickets as well as a link to the merch shop in case you like are driving and didn't get to write down the website I said before. Our merch shop and everything is linked at that's messed up live.com. You really and got all the announcements on the out promo. there. Yeah. You really got it out there. It, um, yeah. It's I just can't handle one more person writing and going, when's your Salt Lake City show? And I'm like, three days ago. I'm so sorry you missed it. You know, it's like we do our best. I don't know how we don't get the word out sometimes. So that's here I am. Yeah. It, yelling yeah. it from the rooftops. <laughs> yeah. And I also want to um, say that saying Sacktown is disgusting. Well, it's from a Tupac song. Oh, really? Yeah, California Love. Okay, I know that song. I didn't know that he talks about Sacramento in it, and I didn't know that he called it Sacktown. I obviously think of a ball sack. I think everyone does. (laughs) What listener did not think of a ball sack? uh, I think he says from Oakland to Sacktown, the Bay Area, and back down. So yeah, I don't normally say Sacktown. That's like, I'm not like a person that says Sacktown. It just came to me from my love of Tupac. Um, I'm like Jada over here. I can't stop talking about Tupac. Um, I guess, wait, since the strike is over, I feel like I would like to talk about Survival of the Thickest. Yes. It is still on Netflix. um, And I'm not on Instagram. I got off for a few weeks. So if you've been at all messaging me, I needed a break. Um, But Garcelle has gone viral and people are talking about it again. So that makes me really happy. So you should, and people at our shows do come up and say they watched it in a day. It's a real easy, cute, sweet, fun watch. 
Yeah. I would say. And I don't know if you just said it, but it's on Netflix. So yeah. it's available and it's brand name. Um, yeah, like Garcelle is in it, Michelle Visage is in it. It's like, it's really fun. And it's just like sweet. It has like, it's not at all like Shits Creek, but it gives me like that warm, like right before I go to bed, positivity vibe of Shits Creek. Like, you know, not watching Always Murder right before bed, which we also do plenty of times. But if you want a little palate cleanser, throw on a survival of the thickest. So I was, you know, I watch a lot of TV. It's just part of my life. And I needed, I wanted, and I love adult animation. And so something popped up on my Amazon. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. Now it's called The Good Family, but it's from 2013 or 2012, which was really shocking to me because it's making fun of like a progressive woke family. So I, but it's Mike Judge, I think from 2012. 2013 like wow it's ahead of its time but it's making fun of like freegans and just like white families that want to be progressive and are always like worried about stuff and everyone's annoyed by the good family (laughs) and like I don't know it's just so it was just wacky and ahead of its time and I wouldn't say it was good but I watched it two times through wow because for bad for bad for bad (laughs) yeah 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 no, it has a lot of cool people doing voices too. Like oh, it who has. Is it? Um, well, it's got Steve Carell's wife Nancy Walls, who I love. It's got uh, Linda Cardellini. Oh, I love her. Love her. Um, and then I'm just like p- paging through some of the guests, and it's like Julia Sweeney from SNL, and like Cree Summer, and like people that are. It just filled- came out of nowhere, and yeah. it's ten years old, and I just had never. <laughs> guess, guess who's a voice? Deidrick Bader, your favorite, the guy who's <laughs> the guy who's the. The husband on American Housewife that Lisa is like, he has a wild name. No one can ever remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't see her. I have a name drop. Listen, I missed it. But Dua Lipa was at the comedy store last night. No. Yeah. One of the door guys in a comic, he came up to me and he, he, I think he'd been going up to dudes who didn't know who she was. So he showed me a photo on his phone. He goes, she's here. And I start jumping up and down and I do a dance where I like, I bend down and start punching the ground. And then the guys (laughs) behind me were like, is this the reaction that you wanted? And he goes, yes. Because I think he kept going up you to people. You know how to give the people knowing. what they want. I love it. I That's think people so were funny. just like, no, I don't want, you know. Uh, but uh, so I was prepping for her. But by the time I went up, she was gone. But I should have just at least took a sneak peek. I love to see celebrities in person to see yeah. how beautiful they are. But I like that She's she cool. was there. I really like Dua Lipa's voice. I think she's great. And I think we need to stop trying to make her dance. She's just not going to dance, but she's, guys. No, I, I saw her live this past tour. She she killed it. She's getting better. You know what I mean? Oh, like, good. It was sexy, but her dancers do most of the work. She doesn't have to dance, but it's like, you are you got you to gotta shimmy a little. You got to move have, it around a little bit. Yeah, like Rihanna slow. is like in that vein. You know, they just kind of Well, vibe. because Ariana doesn't really have to dance that much, but her voice is way more powerful. Like, she's not... The voice yeah. is a higher octaves. There's yeah. more range. And I just feel like do a, you're not losing your breath. Why don't you spin around a little bit? <laughs> but I don't know. So the way that the all the other guys reacted to him explaining Dua Lipa, me trying to talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey to my friends that are black has been comical to me. Because <laughs> I've been watching the videos over and over and over and they had not seen it at all. They didn't even know about karma as a guy on the Chiefs. Like they are not involved in any capacity. And it was like the Watch What Happens live game with Andy Cohen where he asks straight people like, do straight people give a damn? And then they like, sh- he shows 
those like pretty gay topics and then the straights decide. And that's how I felt going, <laughs> going around there. Oh my God. They could not care less. Um, listen, I am fully reformed. I am a full, I, it's, it's hard not to think it's PR, but I'm all in. I'm all in. I love romance. I'm like so into it. It's really sick. I've watched ever. I watched the video of the dancers reacting at least 25 times. I've watched the video of him covering his face dozens, if not a hundred times. Yeah. I cannot yeah. stop watching the same thing. I feel like I'm 12 years old discovering the Backstreet Boys again. Like it's this mania I haven't felt in a really long time. And I just keep listening to the songs. JK, I feel this mania all the time. I'm playing my Mario Nintendo Switch nonstop. I get obsessed. <laughs> I get obsessed. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you focus in, you drill down, as they say. So yeah, I um I'm in the whirlwind. I've been listening to all the albums. I am just I'm just different now. And I yeah, yeah I'm gonna see her in Europe, I've decided. Also Or the UK, you know, Brexit, whatever. This episode comes <laughs> out a few days after Thanksgiving. We're obviously in the time machine. It's not Thanksgiving yet, but I just want to say I'm very thankful for all of our listeners. You guys are so cool when you come to our live shows. You guys bring us like such thoughtful stuff. These like friendship bracelets. It's like we feel like Taylor Swift. You're bringing us like the best baked cute, goods. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, chocolate like I candy. Like I had like cute gifts for my kids, and uh, I just. But you wanted also to don't say, even have to. Like uh, your presence no. enough is so magical that like we are not exaggerating. Every venue we leave, we hear how great our audiences like every yeah. club every server's like your people can come back anytime they want like truly you guys are we're like so proud that you guys are our listeners and you, you're all what makes me even more proud is people psychologists fbi agents yeah. you know sociology professors like listening to us when we're covering topics that they are kind of professional kind of they are professionals at and still engaging with us and it's like i feel proud it's just like cool to see fun ass powerful people coming to our shows yes yeah you guys are the best so we're thankful for and I love stuffing. For you. And I'm thankful for stuffing. I do and I love, love Thanksgiving. Stuffing. That's my favorite. I would say that's my favorite Thanksgiving item, food item. Me too. Why don't we eat it all year round? I just bought a box of it and I was like, I don't even care when I make this. I'm going to keep it. I like got a box at Trader Joe's and I was like, I want stuffing another time. I think and people I, probably do. We just, it's, you know, having my, its I moment on Thanksgiving. so bad for my mother. She makes like her own and then makes me a stovetop one. And then she makes cranberry sauce and then I eat it, mine out of the can. Uh, same. I always go, I don't want the full berries. I want the can. And like, if there's ever like a fancy stuffing, I'm like, is there like a stovetop? Like that is yeah. truly my favorite. I actually took a gamble buying the Trader Joe's kind because I'm like, I sat there and I go, should I just go to a regular grocery store and get stovetop? No, you trust Trader Joe's might as well try it. Like yeah. you, they do have good high quality products. Yeah. I bet it's good. I bet it's good. And anyway, I love that the guy's plan, I learned like he did small parking lots on purpose. Did you know that? No. Yeah, it's cheaper. Like, you have to pay for all that parking lot land. That's why his store and the parking lot is tiny. His whole thing is like, fuck paying a lot for rent. Yeah. Because that makes things more expensive. So he's able, I don't know, a key. I don't even know who the guy is, but they're able to keep the 
prices lower because it's less real estate. And that's why the parking lots are so topsy-turvy. Oh, very smart. Yeah, because I went to Whole Foods today to return something to Amazon and the parking situation is annoying. Whole Foods is so out of control how expensive it is. But anyway. It is, but nothing to me is like more beautiful than the the, the Whole Foods cut up fruit area. The pre-cut fruit (laughs) It's giant. It's every fruit. It's so colorful. It's so bright. It's so fresh. I walk in and it's like seeing God. Like, I just love the cut up fruit there. I do. That's amazing. But I actually I don't grocery was- shop at all. I laid in my bed and I postmated Vaughn's to my house. <laughs> That's what I did. Because <laughs> I needed water bottles because I know it's bad for the environment, but it's the only way I hydrate. It's like a mental block. So I'm yeah. sorry. I'm not cleaning a straw. I'll get a disease. I'm an, that's not where I thrive. <laughs> Are we going to the mall today? Should we get this going? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Um, We're going right, to the mall, got, guys. We got to go to the mall. We're going to get in. We're going shopping. All right. Stay tuned. Awesome episode coming up. Okay, we are doing Depravity, Depravity Standard? Depravity. Depravity, yeah. Depravity Standard, Season 17, Episode 9. And this is the second part of a two-parter. So if you did not listen to last week's episode, Manhattan Vigil, um, that is part one. And these are like four seasons apart or three seasons apart. So they really, I wonder what the scheduling of this was. Do you think they planned on having two parts? Or they decided to bring Tom Sizemore back to have twitches on the screen. I there's no way they could have planned this and been like, in three seasons, we're gonna get Tom Sizemore back. Like I feel like they it, you know, it probably worked out with him being available and shit, and that's and they decided to like do a second part to it. Also, you love this woman that plays the mother. Like they probably were like, let's get this good, these good actors back. This Israeli actress that plays the other boy's mom. You know, there's like a good little cast. Maybe they're like, let's get the band back together and do a follow up. Yeah, a hundred percent. It was good. I was into it, and I think they really weaved in clues from the last episode into this seamlessly. Like it yeah. wasn't over exposition in a way where you're like, "Okay, Ice T, you're just telling us what happened." Like they really did it smooth. I thought. So yeah. If you don't want to listen to last week's episode, you'll get all the info throughout. And I'm just gonna say something controversial up front. This is like my least favorite Olivia hair. Just like the butt, str- like the stick straight. To right below the chin, it's not my favorite. I like I like her to have a little bit of body, you know? You like volume. Yeah. I like volume. It's, it's just hard. Like, the curly-haired Jew in me is, like, jealous. You know? Like, yeah. I will always... Oh. I will always love that hair. I will always be jealous. <laughs> I will always be like, oh, what a lucky woman. You it's know what so I mean? It's so funny. As a child, I was so jealous of the girls with, like thin, like, (laughs) fucking emaciated hair that, like, was, like, tiny. Like, they had barely any hair on their head. I'd be like, look at what a silky ponytail they have. And I have my, like, curls, my baby curls that will never get straight. And now I'm, like, happy that I'm the other way because my children have taken my hair. No, but you're totally right. Like, thinking about the thin ponytails I was envious of is so laughable now. Like, of course I like a thick pony, but I will always... I, it's just the ease, like my curls, it's just always so much. But like your signature messy bun, like that can't exist when you have like skinny little threads of blonde. I know, but my favorite messy bun is my friend Lil Frex and her hair is th- like, it's, it flops around in this way that <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy. But 
It's just the consistency I'm jealous of as well. Like with curl, I don't know how the curl will look. And yeah. please do not DM me products. I have allergies. So <laughs> I know good products exist. I am struggling. Um, okay. Yes. <laughs> so, and and I thought I was out of the woods because I keep thinking I'm going to grow out of it. And then this trip, this road trip, by the end, my legs are fully inflamed. Oh, no. The towels. The towels, I think, do me in. It's like, you know, one courtyard and you're fucked. And you can't, like, travel with a towel. Like, you can't put a damp towel back in your suitcase. Like... No, I just have to air dry or have a robe of some kind. I don't know. This is, I will start the episode. Okay. Okay. I cannot talk about my, my sores again. Um, sores make it sound worse. Okay. So (laughs) were you scared of Ebola as a kid? Yeah. Terrified. Me too. Me too. Terrified. I thought you would look like an enchilada. Like that's how I pictured it in my head. I'm like, your blood comes out and you're an enchilada. Oh my God, Kara's really taken by this. That is so funny. <laughs> what? They're like my favorite thing to eat. I don't know if I can even have one now. <laughs> no, I love an enchilada. We will. Well, that's like what I thought of as a kid. I also don't know why I thought, oh, I thought of Ebola. We'll probably look yeah, the sores. Yeah, who knows what's going on. <laughs> okay, so Hulu has this as an episode eight. It's episode nine, um, a 2005. Oh, the year I graduated high school. Okay, so um, we open with some grainy footage and a close-up of a man, and we hear a voice say, we just need to hear you say it. And they're trying to get a confession, and this is Tom Sizemore, um, which is a name I mentioned last week. I, I've heard many times he has 259 credits, not one I've seen. This yeah, is we the talked only about reference. This, yeah, <laughs> like, he, yeah. Again, to me, he's Heidi Fleiss's ex boyfriend, and and he has passed as well. So, and you told me last week that he had issues with um, substance abuse, and he played it perfectly in this episode. I would say he looks he's, fucked up. He is he good. He is good as this character. Like, Unless he is he's terrifying. Up. Oh, do you think? I don't know. I have yeah. no idea. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping he was healthy like, and great, but he Like, the way he just he does, like, it. wild eyes, like, like, dart different places. Like, I I was, like, really buying into this character. Slade. Yeah. Slade. Um, so he's admitting to doing it, but doesn't know the kid's name. And you, we hear Benson's voice is like, Hector Rodriguez. Still, it's just a close-up of his face. And then it's like, he had a backpack. He started talking to me and bothering me. And he followed me back to my building. And we pull back. He's wearing a wife beater, classic. Um, he says, nothing happened. Benson pushes, something happened. He again is like, nothing happened. But he said he was going to tell his mother that something did happen. So that made Tom Sizemore snap his neck. Um, Um, But nothing happened. But he did snap the neck. And he was going to lie about snapping the neck, but then decided not to. And then he put him under the concrete slab. So now we're at Supreme Court, 2005. He's in an orange jumpsuit. And Benson's with Hector's mom in the court audience. Um, So this is like the first time in all time where the trial is actually in, like, this is how long it would take a trial to go. Like, it would be three years later. But normally on the show, it's like the following week, he's on the stand, you know? Like, in reality, it's like years before these people get on the stand. But go on. Yeah, so much scheduling. I also wonder, I've never really thought about what COVID did to court and how pushed Oh, I'm on jury duty right now. I'm on jury duty right now. 
Wait, what? I'm on jury duty this week. I rescheduled because of all of our storing. And I was like, well, I'll be home that week. I'll just do it that week. And But I just have to check in every night online. And it, so far, it's told me you don't have to come in. So I'll check in tonight and it'll tell me if I have to go in tomorrow. If it tells me I have to go in tomorrow, I'm going to say I have COVID or something because I'm going on a field trip with my daughter and I don't want to miss it. <laughs> but isn't that a good enough excuse? I'm chaperoning a field trip. I don't think so. It's like you have to, like, what you can postpone, and I already did postpone, but, like, you can't, like, in the middle of it just say, oh, a work thing came up. Like, you're supposed, like, you have to be there. So it is our civic duty, and I do agree with jury duty, but it's my daughter's first field trip, and I really feel like I have to go. I also don't think I'll ever get picked for jury duty if they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I have a true crime podcast. Like, I just don't think I'm ever, I'm like, I watch Law & Order for a living. Like, I don't really think that they're ever going to pick us. No, well, because famously when I, I did get to go to jury duty, I sat in the box, I got interviewed, I was sent home before lunch, but I was like crushing. Like I was <laughs> killing at this thing because um, he said, does anyone have experience? And I raised my, this was year, this was before our podcast. I was still living in Chicago. Yeah. But I raised my hand and he goes, oh, the judge was like, where do you have your crime knowledge? I go, I watch a lot of criminal television. And then everyone started laughing. The judge was cackling. Like, I was like, <laughs> killing it. <laughs> it was like... Like so Type thrilling. Five at the courthouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then my friend worked downtown, so we met up for lunch, and I got to use my, you know, cash that they give. Oh yeah. I don't know. I loved being I a part of it, I, but I don't really know what's happening because it's like no one's asked me a damn question. I just sign onto a computer every night. And then it goes, you don't, okay, you don't have to come in tomorrow. Well, yeah, so there were I tons of people sitting upstairs, never, never picked. I was lucky enough to be in the first group, got to sit in the jurors box, answer questions, but it was car insurance. So I didn't want to be in there. Like, I, yeah, know. I, I did jury duty one time next sitting, waiting to get called, sitting next to one of the queer eye guys, but the original queer eye guys, the one who did interior design. The original well, Fab the, Five. Oh, one of the OG Fab Five was just bartending on Watch What Happens Live. And Andy Cohen said, you built this house. Oh. And that was the a house beautiful of Bravo. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. And I loved that Andy gave it to You built this house. Them. Not enough to be on the couch, but we'll let you behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're in court. We're back, baby. Um, Barba is there. The defense attorney has a comb over. Mr. Hoda, the lawyer, says pleads guilty, but he has to say it out loud, and he's really struggling to do so. He looks at Benson and the crying mother and goes, no, I'm not doing time for this. And Barba's like, um, we had a deal. Then we cut to a uniformed cop who is Alexander Karpovsky, a.k.a. Ray from Girls, a.k.a. Ray Pashansky, a.k.a. Auxiliary Cop Lomatin. So then... <laughs> Back to Hoda, like, nah, man, everyone was yelling at me. And it's like, who was yelling at you? And he points to Barba, the lawyer, then he points to Benson. And he's like, I swear to God, your honor, I am innocent. I did not hurt these boys. And the judge is Hashi Horowitz, and we're in chambers to discuss. But our boy fired his comb-over lawyer, and he wants to be his own lawyer. And they're like, that's not a good idea. Uh -huh. um, but they're like, well, you, need a, you committed to the deal. Like, you need to commit to a deal. And he goes, no. So then Benson's like, I pushed you because you admitted to kidnapping. Wyatt Morris, a seven-year-old child who would be dead in a basement if you didn't tell us where he was. He's like, oh, so I actually saved him. And she's like, you admitted to kidnapping him and you admitted to killing Hector. And she's stern, pissed, and beautiful. And he says, you put words in my mouth. And then Hashi wants him to get a better lawyer. And he's like, fine, great. I'll get a better lawyer. And if you want to take me down, you're going to have to prove it. He laughs and says he didn't do it. And he's dragged away in cuffs. So now Hector's mom is like, fuck, can he even do this? And the other mom is there too, Wyatt's mom. So and 
And if we don't remember, Wyatt is the boy that was kidnapped um, and that like helped uncover Hector's kidnapping 13 years before that. So this is an ongoing thing. And so in the end of that Manhattan Vigil episode, um, we find out Hoda signed for all the concrete that they found Hector's body underneath. And he admitted to taking Wyatt because his dad owed him money and he didn't want people like, for anyone to say that he was a pedophile anywhere. So that's... Oh, so remember like at the end of that episode, I was like, what is the motive? Is he attracted to these kids? Because they don't really... They threaten the, the child molester thing with him about jail, but like they, they never really explicitly say that any of these kids were molested. And so that is the first time that they're saying that the reason he took Wyatt is because of money. I forgot about... I didn't realize that's why. Yeah, he was trying to get back Because they screwed him and gave him a shitty apartment and not like nice after he's burned all these buildings down for them. And I'm on his side here. He has <laughs> scars to prove it. He works hard and the rich keep getting richer and they should, the son should have just like given him some money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're all in a meeting. It's Benson, Barba and the moms. And they say, we're going to push to convict him of Wyatt's kidnapping because the evidence is more fresh and he can identify him. And the mom's like, um, hold on. You know, he'd have to testify. And Benson goes, yeah, and we'll support him. And the other mom is like, hold up. You're not going to charge him for killing my son. And Barbara's like, the evidence is 16 years old now and it's circumstantial. Uh, but Wyatt's mom keeps looking down and we can assume what's about to happen. She's not going to let her son testify. This is definitely a bingo item of SVU. Yeah. And she gets up and says, no, he's still traumatized and we're not going to put him through this. Me and my ex don't agree on anything, but we agree on this. Benson stops her at the door like, bitch, come on. He's a kid killer. We need to get him. And she goes, I don't care. It's about Wyatt. And Hector's mom starts to plead like, please, please. I'm sorry what happened to your son, but my son. And she can't even finish the sentence. And Wyatt's mom's like, I'm sorry, and runs away. And Hector's mom is crying. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, the cry is better than what I just did. And Barbara's like, we'll bring charges on the crimes against Hector. And then she's like, but we can use what, you know, uh, like he did to Wyatt in the trial and they're like, that'll be up to the judge. So then dramatic music plays and we start with the credits. And when we're back, Carisi is catching up to Barba in the middle of a marble courtroom hallway. And he's like, so, you know, I'm at law school at night, right? And Barba's like, yeah, I was alerted by the Bar Association. So they both giggle a little bit and he wants to shadow the case and feels like he can learn a lot. Barba is like, ah, no, thank you. And he's like, well, Liv already said I can do it. And so Barba begrudgingly agrees. And the rule is you better not speak. Shadows keep their mouth shut. He promises you don't even know I'm here. I do not trust him. He will be talking. He's still Uh, like in full like early Sonny Carisi mode too where like the accent is like so thick. Like he drops a little bit of that in the most recent like when he becomes an ADA you know like yeah that he's still like I got this. Oh my god your dad's a legend. You know like he's so (laughs) like he's just so earnest. Yeah. And so uh, and I love this defense attorney. Her name is Robin Weigert. Oh, and hell yeah. She slaps. Yeah, she does. I Like the moment I saw her on screen, I was obsessed. And she's also in the episode uh, Recall, season eight, episode three. And that's um, the one with the dad from The Nanny. Um, oh. That's that episode. And I, 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 I was looking at her. I'm like, why am I so drawn to her? I'm not sure. And so I looked at the IMDb. I'm like, Jessica Jones. I did watch that. Her big things, you know, you watch Sons of Anarchy and Deadwood. And then it hit me. She's the therapist for Nicole Kidman and Big Little Lies. Yes. And that's why I felt so protected the moment I saw her. Yes. (laughs) I didn't know why she had a hold on me. I couldn't recognize her. And once I saw Big Little Lies, I'm like, of course you helped Nicole Kidman get away. 
No, she plays a really badass character in Deadwood, too. Like, Deadwood's this very male show. Like, all the women are basically, like, sex workers, but she's Calamity Jane. Like, she's, like, a man, like, a woman in a man's world, you know? And, like, she's really good in Deadwood. I mean, I've only watched the first season, but she's very good. And she has a cute little brunette bob, and I'm obsessed. And she's like, whoa, who's the eye candy? (laughs) (laughs) Wants to fuck Dominic. (laughs) And Greasy's like, hello, night school at Fordham Law. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is really like, I didn't think this was funny when I was watching it, but now I'm laughing. (laughs) Yeah, he's embarrassing. (laughs) Um, And he then already starts talking too much for a shadow, but he's like, I know all your dad's cases. He did the Black Panther defense. She cuts him off to talk to Barbara. Um, She wants to plead this out and he doesn't get why she even took this pro bono case for this scumbag. And he keeps talking about his daddy and Barbara's like, yeah, okay. She's still trying to impress him, even though he's been dead for 11 years. Okay, Barbara, shit. That would impress your dad getting off a child killer? Like, I don't get it. Like, that seems like a very strange pro bono case to take. I know, but I think it's like the challenge where I think you convince yourself or you, you know, you could believe everyone deserves a defense. Like, that's part of our legal system. Yeah. And if you're able to get someone like this off, that means you're good at your job. So maybe that's... Yeah. But the dad seemed to work for like the Black Panthers and noble causes. So that's, conf- yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So we're in court and um, Hashi Horowitz on the bench um, and they go back and forth trying to get their way. Classic prosecution versus defense vibes trying um, to get the other cases into the trial. But the judge says he's not muddying the waters of the case. So Wyatt's case will not be included. Now she's trying to get the confession video out and calls it coarse. Barbara's like, well, it's on video. So we should just let the jury decide for themselves. And the judge does agree. And the judge also loves this lawyer's dad. She's like, (laughs) oh, God, you're dead dad love him and it's like he has been dead for 11 years this is crazy (laughs) i wonder if he's like an original law and order uh like lawyer from like the og yeah i like how stone's dad is really is related you know yeah we gotta figure this out but um so the the confession does stay in so now this is wild we finally see a decoration we finally see a decoration on a desk. I, it's weird it's for Thanksgiving. That's not a decoration <laughs> holiday. But on the desk, the next scene starts with a paper and cardboard, like like tabletop turkey. It's a turkey decoration at the SVU precinct. I'm on I'm on cloud nine. The fact, you know, I'm always dreaming of a spider web, a little wreath somewhere, an Easter egg. But we got a turkey. Um, and so he walks in and is like, oh my God, court was the best. And Benson's like, that's not what I heard. And he's just raving about the defense attorney and he's just so taken with, I wonder if they did fuck. Like, I, I mean, I, I know he has a crush on Rollins right now, but I hope they like ended up fucking at least once. And Finn is like, why are you so happy for this like defense attorney? And he's like, okay, well, Barbara wants to uh, try to find any evidence that Hoda knew Hector. I know I said it. Um, <laughs> So basically the assignment is they need to find evidence that Hoda knew Hector when he was alive. Finn says we gave him everything uh, we had, but Benson brings up the auxiliary cop and maybe we should go talk to him. Um, Maybe he has anything else. And Finn is like, didn't we think he did it? And Benson goes, well, yeah, but we didn't find that out. And Finn goes, well, he's still nuts. He leaves messages for Rollins at 3 a.m. And Benson's like, listen, he knew Hector, he knew the neighborhood, and he noticed the arson pattern. Go fucking talk to him. 
So Finn is like, he'll only talk to Rollins. And Benson's like, okay, then have her call him and say that, you know, you guys are going to go talk to him. So get to work. So we're back in front of the mural of Hector and the auxiliary cop Ray Pashansky from Girls is there. He's in a police outfit and he's like, wow, I loved hearing from Rollins. And Carisi and Finn are like, okay, well, it's us. Um, <laughs> and Rollins just remembered, you know, they're they're buttering him up. They're like, Rollins remembered how much you cared about the case. And, you know, we just wanted to get more info from you since you helped us find the pattern and you figured all this stuff out, but we can't bring it to court. So maybe you have other evidence Evidence that ties Hector to Hoda. He goes, no, but I'll say anything. You know, this is my last chance to get into the academy. So whatever you need. And Finn and Carisi look pissed at even the implication that he would need to like lie in court or anything. So we cut to springtime. Oh, I thought it was spring, but obviously I saw the turkey thing. So it is fall, but I feel like New York would be colder, but whatever. So they're in like cool mid-temperature outfits, walking near court. And holy shit, B.D. Wong appears. He's wildly on the steps. He hated Oklahoma. So he left the bureau and now he's consulting. B.D. Wong runs off to work and Barbara goes, well, you'll see him later. Hassler hired him as her expert forensic psychiatrist. He's a hired gun now and Benson feels betrayed. Carisi's sitting at the precinct watching the confession over and over, and Barba asks if there's anything new, and he goes, nah, but I have a care package for Rollins, so I'm going to deliver it to her since she's on bed rest. And Barba is like, hold on, uh, we need to go visit Hector's mom and prep her for her time on the stand tomorrow and remind her that Benson will not be in the courtroom since she's going to have to testify later. So Carisi runs off and now we're in court with the mom on the stand. She said, oh, this is sad. Uh, she always walked him to school two blocks. But then one day he goes, I'm old enough. I'm a big boy. I want to walk alone. And she watched him. She waved to him and she never saw him again. And this has happened before in SVU and in some of our true crimes. And it really is so fucking sad. It's happening again today. Yeah, the first time it's like yeah. it's it's too sad. I don't know. Cuz you know that the parents are going to blame themselves forever. And it's a bummer. So that walk meant that he did walk past Hoda's uh, building that he managed, though. So, But now it's time for the defense. And she is incredible. She's sympathetic to the mom. She goes, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm so sorry you have to relive this. But did you ever see your son with Mr. Hoda? And she has to respond, no. Have you ever seen Hoda before this arrest? She says, no. Over the years, did the cops say they wanted to solve the crime? And she goes, yes, Benson was very dedicated and wanted justice, and it was important to her to help me. And Lisa goes, yeah. And the only way to help you is to find somebody to blame for your son's murder. And Barbara Benson are, um, you know, talking in an empty courtroom and Benson's like, are you fucking kidding me? She's making me seem too conscientious. He's like, yep. And she implied you're so desperate to get closure. You manufactured a suspect. And she's like, you let her get away with this. He's like, well, I couldn't shoot her. Barbara's like, she is just doing her job and she's really good at it. And she's like, you left me out to dry. And he's like, okay, chill the fuck out. You're up after lunch. Let's prep. She's pissed. She goes, no, thanks. I've testified a few hundred times. So I think I'll be fine. She is livid. And he says, I need you to sit your ass down down and work with me. She finally agrees and they start to work. So now we're in court and we're watching the confession. He admits to snapping the neck 
and also putting the boy under the concrete. She's like, he knew his rights. He said it. We found him because he was connected to the fresh concrete pour and to the timing of the disappearance. And when we figured it all out, then we realized he was a pedophile too. And he's tweaking on the defense bench, like erratic blinks, moving around. He's very shifty. And now it's Lisa's turn. And she's like, after he disappeared, what did the did the police conclude? Benson explains that they thought the dad took him in a custody battle, but she always disagreed with the NYPD. And Lisa's like, oh, wow. And it seems like you were right. And Benson, perfect answer. She goes, unfortunately, yes. She goes, so you were motivated to prove that you were right. And she sighs and goes, well, not motivated enough. It took me almost a decade. And she goes, and finally, you had Hoda. And she goes, yes. And he confessed on the video. And she goes, I'm interested in what didn't make it to the video. You interrogated him for over six hours before turning on the camera. So what happened there? And she goes, nothing that's against police procedure. She questions her about lying and stuff in those six hours. And she's like, excuse me. The Supreme Court decided that cops are allowed to make misrepresentations. And she goes, you mean lie? She goes, yes. And so she goes, so after lying about non-existent witnesses, didn't you tell him that nobody likes a chomo in state prison? And she's like, yeah, there was a sense of urgency. He had another child. And the judge is like, baby, you are flirting with causing a mistrial. And I love that he used the word flirting. I know. He is. I love Horowitz. He's great. But like, this is the problem with the whole episode. Why would they toss out Wyatt? Like, he literally had a boy in a basement and that's like what led them to like the rest of this. So like, why would this be disconnected? But I mean, I'm sure our lawyer girls will tell us, but like, it just doesn't make sense to me that you like, can't talk about the other kid he kidnapped because the kid won't testify. But it's like we found him because of his information. Yeah, he you know? told. Yeah, he let he led us to the correct basement. Is yeah. that evidence enough? Right. That's can't just be point. like he could be in this basement. I don't know. Sometimes there's kids down there. Like, you know, that's not like, <laughs> wow, it worked out. So it's very strange to me. But, you know, whatever. They have to make a television show work. So I understand. Yeah, that's a really good point. So Lisa's like, so what's a chomo? And Benson has to say child molester. And the question then is proposed, are they assaulted in prison? Yes. Yes. So you lied about evidence and you threatened to label him a chomo. And you promised that you would advertise the be- that belief to ensure that he would be assaulted in prison. And then and only then did he confess. Benson says he confessed because he was guilty. Quick cut to Hoda on the stand. He's fully crying. Great performance. Spitting. Red. Pointing. Finger. Very passionate. I confess because she said she was going to get me killed. Benson is watching him rolling her eyes. And he's crying. He's sniffling. Benson is shaking her head. He believed they were framing him and they would do whatever they wanted to him. Finn is nodding his head too, like, fuck this motherfucker. He then says he never saw that little boy not once in his life and no clue why he was found in the building, but a lot of unsavory characters did live in the building. Carisi's writing something down and shows Barba, and basically what Carisi wrote was little boys, question mark, Barba nods. I'm actually lost because I rewound it a few times and Hoda on the stand goes, that little boy. So the little boys is like, I don't know how it gave him the clue because maybe if it was just that one, it'd be like the little boy. I don't get this. I thought maybe you would. Um, No, I don't think I do. But because I was telling someone about our connections thing and I, um, I was saying how like, Sometimes the first connection you get, this is the New York Times game. If you guys play Wordle, connections is amazing. Um, it's 16 words and you 
group them in four groups of four and you have to figure out the groupings and they try to trick you, but you always get the grammar ones or like the proposition or like past, like you always get the word ones. And those are always the ones that are last for me where I don't even see how they connect and I just press them and then I find out. So I, so I thought maybe you would know this because it's like the tenses and the words. I'm like, maybe she'll put this together. (laughs) No, I don't think I'm getting it. Because of it. Well, so yesterday's, one of the answers was Mahjong tiles. That was definitely my fourth and final. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I would have never gotten these no, I in that. my whole life. That's my last. So if any of you figure out how Carisi, maybe Fordham Law is really working on him. But if any of you understand why him saying that little boy equated to little boy's question mark, I guess it implies there's more than... Th- one little boy. I just, I didn't really catch that. Oh, yeah, because then later Olivia says, we think he might be responsible for the death of two other kids because, like, he hangs out at playgrounds. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Like, the plural. Yeah, but he said that little boy. Oh. I don't know. Because I kept rewinding, but I guess if it was just one boy, you you would maybe just say the little boy. Is that it? I know that's too, that's not bad, but it's not, that feels like a walk. I don't know. I don't know. This is weird. Because Barbara at the, like, we'll get to it, was like so impressed that Carisi put this together. But um, anyway, so Barbara has this little clue now. And then this is my favorite. It's when he starts talking while he's still sitting. So, you know, he's feeling confident. (laughs) So he's sitting there going, did you order the concrete or did the drug addicts that lived in the building? And he goes, I did. And he goes, so because of a fire from 200 yards away caused water to flow uphill. He's like, I don't remember. We needed it. I ordered it. He goes, oh, you don't remember that, but then you remember this. And he plays um, the confession. And we see Hoda on the confession say, he had a backpack. He started talking to me. He was bugging me. So Barba questions him, so you remembered the backpack. Did you put it in the ground when you buried him? He goes, no. He says, nothing to remember? You were attracted to him? No. He denies being attracted to children. And Barba's like, why were you found at a child's playground years after Hector's murder? And he says, it's all lies. So then, you know, he brings out exhibits 6A and and B and uh, their police reports. So basically he was seen at parks and Hoda's like, I just like parks. Um, So do I, but I don't stare at little boys. (laughs) And he's like, you're just like her. You're going to put me, you know, you're going to do all these lies. You're going to spread all these lies. He goes, well, what lie? You hang out at playgrounds. A little boy was found dead in the bottom of your building. You said you killed him. He said, I told you why I said that. And it's like, because you were afraid of being hurt in prison or scared hearing the truth about you. He says, I'm not scared of anything. I never touched him down there. So then Barb is like, then where did you touch him? There's a stutter. There's tense music. He just stares off. So now we're in the hallway and Carisi is jazzed. He's like, you crushed it. You <laughs> fucking killed boy. <laughs> and Barb is like, thanks for that little boy's tell. Woohoo. And then Lisa sees them and goes, are you gloating? And uh, Barbara smirks a little and goes, guilty. Then she says, nothing makes me happier than a member of the patriarchy right before he falls. Oh, God, I love her. (laughs) I don't know why she hasn't come back more. Maybe they can't afford her. Like, what's going on? I want more of her. I feel like, I mean, she just literally does book like all the time, this woman. 
So maybe they just can't get her. So then Barbara's retort is, I seem to be on my feet. He says, your client made quite an impression on the jury. And she goes, so did you. Thank you. Walks off. The boys are like, huh, what could that mean? So now we have Huang on the stand and he's playing for the defense. And he says that Hoda was abused physically by an alcoholic father. He never resolved that stuff. And that's why he lied and admitted to something because his like he had to do anything his dad said to avoid getting beatings. So he buckles to authority to avoid violence. And so duh, the Benson threat to be hurt in jail, especially to someone who needs to appear hyper-masculine would be a huge issue. So um, again, to avoid being beaten, he would admit to touching a child he never met. Barbara objects and it is overruled. So Huang has to answer. He goes, yes, Mr. Hoda might have said anything. Benson is so fucking peeved. So now Huang walks into the elevator and right before it closes, we get a hand in there and she pushes the door open and says, Huang, she is pissed. What the hell are you doing up there for that man? We used to put people like that away. You know what he did to Hector and Wyatt. And he says to Wyatt, yes, but to Hector, I don't know. She's like, you think I coursed him? That's what you think? How long have we known each other? And he's like, even if it wasn't your intent, he could have given in because of it. And she's like, he believed it because he did it. And the elevator doors open. He says, I don't know that, and neither do you. People file in, and to me, I'm like, how big is this courthouse? How tall is this? I've seen the buildings. Like, this <laughs> elevator ride is very long, but also it's a public building. I'm sure the elevator fucking sucks. Yeah. Also, the last hotel we were in, that elevator was so fucking slow. That yes. Pittsburgh elevator really And it was like four me. floors. <laughs> it was so slow. So then they both are mad and they stare straight forward. So now we're watching the news with the girl's um, auxiliary cop on the news. And while he's on the stand watching it as well. And Lisa is going to eat him for dinner. So her glasses are on and she's like, so you found his lunchbox? Yes, I was. And she cuts him off. Hundreds of people were looking and you found it. He's like, I have good eyes. And she's like, or did you find it? Because you knew exactly where to look. And she's like, you often talk to Hector. No, he says he was friendly with all the kids. And she pushes how friendly and he resents these accusations. And she's like, yeah, I'm sure you do. Did you resent it when Munch interrogated you about the case? And he's like, no, I was just helping the case. And she's like, you were a suspect. He does not believe that. And he goes, Munch is a conspiracy theory nut. His own captain apologized to me. The whole squad apologized to me. And she goes, you mean the squad who found pictures of Hector all over your attic? And defense exhibit 13C is photos of Lomatin's addict. Tense music plays and the people of the jury like lean in. They're very into these photos. So this man, it looks like a man obsessed. He says, I was doing research. She's like, for 13 years, you visited the mom. You went to the memorials. How long have you been taking antipsychotic drugs? And that's an objection for Barba. And it is sustained. Finally, he gets a little win. And then, um, he should have stayed quiet, but instead he says, I just care about children. And even when no one else does, question mark, so you have a special relationship with children. He goes, not like that. And Benson shakes her head like, oh my God. And Lisa leans in and asks, did you murder Hector Rodriguez? He yells, there is the guy who did it and points to Hoda. The judge says, answer the question. He says, I will not dignify that question with the response. Um, I did not know that you can do that while you're in the box like like not answer a question yeah you can't that's can i mean the judge can can find you in contempt but lisa says well i'm not hearing a no 
And he doesn't say no. So to me, it's like, maybe he cares enough. No, because he was willing to lie on the stand. So yeah, I don't know why he didn't just say no. So she walks to go sit down. Damn. But now it's Barbara closing time. It's a really like kind of, it's not even that sexy or cool. He All he says is only one logical conclusion. He did it and he said he did it and he's guilty. Thank you. So that concludes closing arguments. We don't get to see Lisa tap dance all over the jury. And the jury needs to go deliberate. And the judge also reminds the jury. He is innocent until proven guilty. And they have to decide if the people have proven him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And that, with that in mind, go at it and Godspeed. Hector's mom does seem worried. Day, jury day two, they're still chatting. And the press is asking Lisa questions on the courtroom steps. Like, why are they grappling so long? Why is it taking so long? And it's like two days for a murder, murder trial is fine. Like, that does not seem excessive. Yeah. It seems fine to be able to discuss for two days if someone's going to go go to jail for fucking murder. Um, she's like, the people's case is weak and fuck them. Barbara and Carisi are walking and like, fuck her. She keeps making her case. And then Barbara's like, well, the, you know, the jurors aren't supposed to be watching the news. Or Carisi said that. I truly don't remember. Hector's <laughs> mom is on the street crying and Lisa's uh, talking. And so the mom just runs up right to the media and goes, why don't you help people who deserve it? And she's crying. Carisi has to take her away. The reporter tries to chase the crying woman, but will settle for Barba, who says he is confident in his case and the common sense of the jurors. Okay, so they're all at the office. It's been five days and nothing. Carisi isn't studying, but he has been doing some digging on the jurors' social media. And the forewoman, Sharon Daly, has been posting for months about how she's excited for a big family reunion for Thanksgiving, but they're all stuck and probably dying to get out of there. So Amanda calls for Finn um, to come to the hospital. And I'm sure Carisi's like, well, why didn't she call me? What the fuck? Um, but now the jury is ready. So right as Finn goes to visit, Rollins in the hospital. And I think uh, this is the time when Kelly Giddish is actually pregnant and probably needed some time off. So... Um, Carisi gets a call, the jury's back, and they're going to court on Sunday, November 22nd. Sunday. So they're all meeting up because one of the jurors has a question. And the forewoman explains that. And a dude gets up and is like, no, actually a few of us have questions. And it's like, clearly it's just you that's causing problems. Um, but he wants to be reminded of the rules to decide if a confession is voluntary or not. The judge says it is not voluntary if it is obtained by use of or threat of physical violence um, or undue pressure. And what the cops said and their treatment and time of questioning. So that doesn't sound very good. The crew is worried in the hallways. Benson's like, fuck, I keep going over it in my head. And Barbara goes, listen, another child was kidnapped and you needed to do what you needed to do to save him. Benson has a call. It's Finn. Something's up with Amanda. Her heart rate has slowed up. Excuse me. Shouldn't it be down? How does something slow up? Who said it? Was that Carisi? No, it was Finn. Oh. Yeah, that is weird. Finn goes, her heart rate slowed up. <laughs> So did it slow down or go up? Like, you can't slow up. There's no yeah. fucking way. <laughs> so uh, for me, I feel like that's an iced tea moment that they just left in because he refused to do another take. But that's just... <laughs> also, um, lately the airports I've been in do have Uncrustables, which is one of my favorite airport snacks. I like, like iced tea. But I always get the grape and I finally got the strawberry jelly and... No, never it's again. It's inferior. Yeah. It really is. Thank you for agreeing. Wait, do you like peanut butter and jelly or not really? I love it. I, I make it every I also make it every single day for my children. So, you know, it's lost a little bit of its luster, but I do love PB and J. 
<laughs> Wait, they could bring peanut butter to school. Oscar can, Rosie can. So I, what I do is I put jelly on one piece of bread. I take another piece of bread and I put peanut butter on half and almond butter on the other half. Slap it together, cut it in half. How do you remember? You never fuck it up? I, I like taste because I like don't want to send Rosie by accident and like have her. Like I always check. All right. So we're at the hospital. Not good. Amanda's on a monitor. We're watching her. Amanda's there full, you know, belly bump, bad breathing. Finn is going to stay with her. So now Lomatin is running at Barba outside the court. And he's like, listen, I've been trying to reach you all day. <laughs> I left messages. And Barba goes, I have nothing to talk to you about. The case went to jury. He's like, exactly. One of the jurors, juror number four, Thomas Johnson, he lied. Barba goes, how do you know that? He's like, I gave the court clerk $50. LOL. You're never going to be brought up the ranks, bro. So <laughs> this guy... Juror number four was arrested in Maryland for assault last year. The charges were dropped, but he lost his job. He went to his house in his uniform and talked to his sister. And we figured out that he doesn't like cops. And Barba is like, you committed bribery, impersonated a real officer, and then tampered with the juror. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and now he's in there poisoning the other jury. And Barba is like, then it would be, then it would lead to a mistrial. So we don't really have any fucking options. And he's like, but you you'll tell the NYPD what I've done. And he goes, oh, you can count on it. I mean, this guy is so bonkers. I know. Okay, so the jury is back and they want another meeting. And the judge is like, what else do you want to hear back? And she goes, again, not me, another person here. I love how she's just like, it isn't me. Like, she's the funny. One of us wants to hear Lieutenant Benson's testimony and the defendants, and the psychiatrist. And the judge is like, all of it? And the forewoman is like, I don't know what good it will do. And the man stands up and says, I am not the only one who would benefit from this. Hashi says, listen, every juror has the right. The court reporter will begin. And so then she, like, you see the court reporter grab thick-ass stacks of papers. And I just would be so fucking annoyed. I'm glad people are taking their civic duty this seriously, but like... Oh, I would be pissed. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if the court reporter's like, my final shot. Yay, I get to read, you know, or if she's like also annoyed. <laughs> so right then, Lisa whispers to Barba, we need to talk. So it's meeting time. We And she goes, listen, we both had our fun. It's time to end this. He goes, it's almost Thanksgiving. They'll let out soon. She goes, yeah, but we don't know how it will go. And then ask Carisi if like, and then she goes, does Carisi need to be here? And it's like, you wanted to fuck him two hours ago. And now like, you don't like, I don't, it's just weird. Cause up top, she's like, I candy. And now she's like, get him the fuck out of this room, which means his personality has been so grating. She does not want to fuck him anymore. <laughs> So Barbara goes, listen, he needs to be here to chaperone, okay? And so she goes, fine, let's just do a plea deal. Barbara goes, well, he agreed to one before and then took it back. She goes, I know, but give us a good plea. Criminally negligent homicide. Creasy goes, are you kidding me? Barbara shushes him. So now we figure out how much time and... It's eight years. So now Barba is with Miss Rodriguez and Benson. And basically, he's going to get eight years. And they want to say no to this. And Barba goes, come on, let's just say yes. So they all argue. And Benson's like, why would you bring us here if you already decided it? And he's like, I just want to make you understand. So of course, now he's going to speak Spanish to convince her and really connect. She's really sad, but she's yeah. okay with it. She is okay with it. I mean, eight years is not nothing. It's obviously not enough, but like it's some sort of closure. So now the lawyers, oh, I, this scene, is so good. So now the lawyers go talk to the judge and they're like, okay. Um, so he's like, okay, tell me about this deal. But right at the moment, before they tell the judge the deal, it's the jury again and they're deadlocked. 
So then Barbara goes, well, that's fine. We have a deal. And she goes, do we? Shouldn't, should have said yes earlier. Deal's off. Fuck, she's good. So Barbara is panicked. So we're in court and Hoda is wearing white and looks fucked up. Well, it just sucks that the note came in at that time. Like, oh my God. So Hoda is wearing white and looks fucked up. He just looks out of it. And then the judge is talking like, listen, if this is about the upcoming holiday, you have a duty. You cannot just like put together something. She goes, it's not that. People are getting angry and it's getting very tense. They say they've really tried and there isn't any point. So he says, very well, if that's... That's where you are. I have to declare a mistrial. He'll stay in remand before the state decides what they're going to do. Benson apologizes to Miss Rodriguez. Lisa and Hoda hug. And unfortunately, I do keep thinking about Hoda from the Today Show and not Tom Sizemore. And I keep imagining <laughs> her in this show. And I keep spelling it like her name, too. Barbara makes eye contact with the, mo- uh, the mom. And, you know, he, he, he has a taste of vengeance. I can see it. Benson explains to the mom the options. We can retry Hoda and do this all over again. And she's like, would it turn out any different? And then the four women and another juror walk up to her and they just say, we want to say how sorry we are. Um, We all are so sorry. And at least most of us. And the other woman goes, that man was evil. It was clear as day. And you were very brave. Benson walks up to Carisi and Barba for the scoop. One juror basically thought Lomatin was guilty. And then two jurors were worried that the confession was coursed. So what do they do now? For tonight, Miss Rodriguez and the jurors are going to light some candles for Hector and do a memorial. She thanks Barba. She knows how hard he tried. Carisi's going to go to the hospital to meet up with Finn and Rollins, and Barbara wants to go to the memorial with the jurors, and Benson goes, okay, I'll meet you there. Somber music plays. We're at the mural once again. Lomitin is there. A lot of candles. The mom cries. Everyone is sad. Benson pulls up with Wyatt's mom. Yes, bitch. We're going to get his ass. So mom, mom, you know, they're all the moms. We're together. She says, I'm so sorry. And she cries. Um, Hector's mom cries and goes, he's going to get away with it. And Wyatt's mom says, no, he won't. So basically, she spoke to her ex and Wyatt, and they're all going to help, and they're going to cooperate, and they're going to go to trial. And the mom's hug. Benson and Barba stare at each other. I actually teared up here. It it really kind of got me. So Rollins is in the hospital. Carisi's still there. The sun is fully up. Benson rolls in. The contractions are happening. It hurts like hell. Like, is this triggering when you watch birthing scenes or like what? No, I mean, honestly, because like it, it does really hurt. But like she played this really well because I was like, oh, this isn't normal. Like her pain seems different than it's it's hard to say like. It seems like a different kind of pain. Like you're you're definitely like when you're giving birth you're like, "Oh my god, this is horrible." And you're but you're not like you scream when you push a little bit, but my doctor was like, "You have to stop screaming." And I was like, "Gotcha." And I would I just like my doctor was like, "But she's right." Like she's like, "You're just going to hurt your voice and like you don't need to be screaming like that." There are ways. She basically was like, "You can basically kind of like grunt instead of screaming." And she was right. Like she was right. I did figure out a different way to like get out my pain that wasn't like ah! you know, like screaming. And I think it made it better for everybody in the room. And, but with Rollins, like I was watching it being like, wow, this is like good acting. Cause this really feels different. Like something is wrong, you know, incredible acting. Giddish yeah. really turned out like this was amazing. Um, but yeah, Karishi is like pushing her and basically she's, it's too late for an epidural. She's pushing. I hate watching this. She's screaming. She says, it's not a contraction. Yeah. Kara's right. It's my back. It's my back. She starts crying. The monitor's going crazy. They're getting a doctor in there. There's blood. Dr. Sloan, they scream. She's hemorrhaging. The fetus heart rate's going down. Not not 
fasting down. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just love iced tea. Yeah. Um, the doctor kicks everyone out. Rollins is worried and crying. And then the credits. And we all know that everything ends up fine. The babies are born. So it's like a cliffhanger yeah, yeah. if you watch it Spoiler. live. <laughs> but like, not really. <laughs> And that's Dick Wolf, baby. And uh-oh, I think we're about to get a sad case, Kara. <laughs> yeah, get ready to get sad. My favorite catchphrase of this podcast. We'll be right back after a few messages from our sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so we are back. And I think I mentioned this last week that the true crime of, you know, Hector's case is based, it feels very obviously on Aton Pats, who was, uh, this was a huge case in New York City and actually nationally. On May 25th, 1979, sadly, six-year-old little Aton left his apartment in Soho by himself for the first time, just like in Lost Traveler episode that we did. And like, and when Libby Kletsky, who that episode is based on, when he disappeared, a lot of people were drawing parallels to these two things that such a short walk, kids first time walking to school by himself. What, how old can you let kids walk alone in New York? And did they just run into the wrong person at the wrong time? Both of them. Obviously the answer is yes. And I don't know. I just, six seems so young to let a little kid go. And apparently, though, the parents agonized over the decision to let him go alone. But he said other kids were allowed to do it. Why couldn't he? So, you know, when you're begging, saying, oh, all my friends are doing it. But it's so also supposed- interesting that, like, the New York City is a part of it. Because I grew up in, like, a, a quaint suburb, I would say. And I remember first grade, like, I was allowed to go around the block or, like, walk to school. It was a straight shot to school. It was, like, five bucks. I mean, I took the bus and had to cross yeah. the park. But, like, it is, like, I could go to the park in elementary school, I feel. Well, I mean, it's, like, a couple episodes ago, we did that know. little that little beauty queen that was, like, outside her mom's right. window. You know, like, people, right. anything can happen. Like, it, it is, like, terrible. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. How do you decide as a parent what's right? What's not? Because then I think I've talked about it, but I had like one boy neighbor that his mom wouldn't even let him go around the block. Like he truly had to go back and forth like in our townhouse thing. And that was a little much too. Like we all got to go around the block and he couldn't. Yeah. And we thought it was too strict. But like, how do you do it? How do people decide what to do? I don't know. I don't know. I follow accounts that are like, never let your kid do a sleepover. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how. Wait, oh, because of molestation or what? Yeah, like you never know who's at other people's houses. You never know. Like, are you checking to see who has a gun? Like, I don't know. You know, like, 
there's all kinds of crazy shit we have to constantly uh, be worried about as parents. It's such a delightful journey. So he's, he was only supposed to walk two blocks. Like this is all happening. Like I think he lives on Prince street. He just has to walk to West Broadway. I know this exact area. My aunt and uncle used to live down there. Like I know exactly where they are. Also Soho is so popular. Like, I mean, who knows what it was like in 79, but it's, it's a busy area. So anyway, he never made it to the bus. He was supposed to walk two blocks to get on the school bus. He never made it. He, when he vanished, he was wearing a black hat that read future flight captain, a little blue corduroy jacket, jeans, and blue sneakers with fluorescent stripes. Here's what pisses me off. At school, his teacher noticed he was gone, but for some reason didn't tell anyone. So no one knows he's missing until 3.30 when he doesn't come home from school. Yeah. I don't, we don't get to the bottom of this, but it pisses me off. So at first they, you know, the family were suspects at the beginning as usual, but they uh, ruled them out pretty quickly. And then the, that, that night started the search on May 25th. Like everybody, there was like a hundred police officers, bloodhounds. Everyone's looking for this kid for weeks. They're canvassing missing posters. Um, and, but there were barely any leads. And so it really was like the kid just vanished in a two-block walk. His dad was named Stanley Patz, and he was a professional photographer. So he had so many beautiful photos of his son. And I think because of that, the kid was just so poster child for missing kids. Like just these gorgeous pictures of this little blonde haired, bowl cut, sweet kid with a big smile. And so those were all over walls. Those were on time. They were projected in Times Square. And he was one of the first faces on the milk carton. So like his disappearance really- Why don't they do that anymore? I don't know. I don't know because I I really don't know. I really don't I wonder. know. That's a great question. But this his disappearance like really ignited a lot of national conversation about missing kids and about kidnapping and like I was born like shortly after this or a little bit after this and like it really was a huge thing growing up, like kidnapping, like don't talk to strangers, stranger danger, like don't do this, don't do that. Like anyone could kidnap you at any moment. Well, which yeah, is- and we talk about this be- like before, but the 70s just seemed like a heyday for crime. Yeah. Like you could kidnap anyone. People weren't locking their doors. They would let you in. You know, it was yeah. a free for all. So I feel the 80s went the other way where it was just like, no one walk outside. Everyone's going to be kidnapped. <laughs> totally. Totally. And, uh, but it, and it's interesting to me just because it's like, I think what we realize now looking back, it's like so much more horrific shit happens like in people's homes or like, like in their communities, then even though this happens and it's horrific, like random street snatchings are not as common as like the other kinds of like abuse that are happening under people's noses. Yeah, but I get being a parent, if I was, I would never, I would be the neighbor that I hated as a kid and be like, you're not going around the block. Like, I, I really, I really don't know the how people, let, or, or even like me thinking about things I did in high school. Like I was on the back of a motorcycle. I was like, don't ever I let know. your kids leave anything. <laughs> like, it's just, it is so scary. Cause like you said, it's not common, but then the one time you let your kid walk and then they're gone forever. Like I, I cannot know, exactly. handle it. It I know. seems it's so like wild. It's, it's horrible. It is horrible. Um, the animal kingdom has it right. Are- they give birth and swim away. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Fertilize the eggs and be an octopus and you're on your own, bitch. Like that seems like yeah. the way to do it. Shark life. Yeah. 
shark life, baby. Having to take care of the kid. I just, I get it, you know? I just am still at the phase where I have to be so close to my kids so they don't like just like fall and crack their heads open. They're just so still little and like always getting into trouble. Um, so going, doing anything independently is not really for them right now, but <laughs> it, it is, it, uh, who knows what I'll do. Um, I would so love anyway, if baby Oscar was just walking down to joy to get some. <laughs> He's like, Dan I'm going Dan to snake park. I'm going to snake park. Um, so. On, in 1983, on May 25th, we still haven't found him, and that's the anniversary of his disappearance, four years. Um, that was designated National Missing Children's Day in the U.S. by Reagan, and it started this missing children, like, movement. Like, there was new legislation, new methods for finding kids. Um, there was a woman who grew up in New York City, like you said, kind of off the leash, just, like, playing in the P Central Park until nightfall and then just walking home, and she told New York Magazine in an interview, it all changed after Aton. Like, we all looked at each other and said, well, that world is gone. So I think there just was a time, you know, back where kids were more free range and like, it's just not, I don't know, everyone's too scared. Um, in 1985, the United, the assistant United States attorney, Stuart R. Grayboys found this case and identified Jose Antonio Ramos as a prime suspect. This guy was a, convic a convicted um, child molester who had dated one of Aton's former babysitters. So that's the connection. Um, and then years before his, arre his arrest um, or him, his being identified uh, in 82, a bunch of boys had accused Ramos of trying to lure them into a drain pipe where he kind of like lived or something. And then when they searched the drain pipe, they found all these photos of Ramos with boys who looked like Aton. So the prosecutors eventually though, they just like could not make anything against him stick. Like at what, at one point it sounded like he was like oh yeah i i hurt that boy but then he never named him like he didn't know if it was him then nobody knew if it was him and then but for a long time people thought that was him and they just couldn't make a case and in 2004 his parents even won a civil suit against ramos for two million dollars which was mostly symbolic he had no money like they never saw a dime of it um and he was never criminally prosecuted for the murder just the the civil case. And every year on Aton's birthday and the anniversary of his disappearance, the father would send him a copy of the missing poster and say, and write, what did you do to my little boy on the back of it? So he was not, you know, giving up on this guy being the guy. But then later, R Ramos denied that he killed him. And um, he, he was a child molester. Like, he served another 20-year sentence in Pennsylvania for child molestation. He was released in 2012, but then was arrested on a Megan's Law violation. So I, I really don't know. Um, but um, yeah, Aton's body was never found, and he was declared legally dead on June 19th of 2001. But then cut to 2010, this is when I'm living in the city. This is when I'm reading all about this case because it started to come up in like newspapers again because at that time, the DA in Manhattan was named Cy Vance and he reopened the case on the anniversary of the death on May 25th. There's a lot of anniversaries of this kid's uh, disappearance. Um, the 31st anniversary of his disappearance, he reopens the case. And uh, a couple years later, April 19th, 2012, the FBI and the NYPD start excavating the basement much like in the episode of 127B Prince Street, which is a couple of doors down from Aton's house. This residence had been like newly refurbished kind of right after his disappearance, a lot like what we figured out in this episode, like, oh, what's this construction going on here? Concrete being laid, you know? And the basement had been a workshop and a storage space for a handyman. And after a four-day search, investigators said, quote unquote, nothing conclusive found. 
But then they caught a break a month later, May 24th of 2012. The NYPD Commissioner Raymond Kelly, whose son is Ray Kelly. Uh, Who is that? Or wait, is that his name? He was one of our perps that we talked about in our episode. He was like, a, he's a Fox News, a, a, a oh local Fox affiliate God. anchor who allegedly attacked a woman, you know, sexually assaulted a woman. And uh, yeah, his father, the whole thing was his father was the police commissioner. So Raymond Kelly announced that a man was in custody who had implicated himself in Aton's disappearance. And this was 51-year-old Pedro Hernandez of Maple Shade, New Jersey, who confessed to strangling Aton. He was brought in as a, as a suspect after Jose Lopez, who was Pedro Hernandez's brother-in-law, reached out to investigators because he was like, I think my brother-in-law did this. Um, Hernandez eventually confessed, writing in his written confession, I'm, quote unquote, I'm sorry I shoke him, S-H-O-K-E, which is, you know, obviously a, a typo, but he wrote a confession. Apparently, Eitan had a dollar um, and had told his parents that he was going to buy a soda to drink with his lunch. Hernandez, who was 18 at the time, worked at a local bodega. He told police he lured Eitan to the basement where he choked him to death. And then he said he put the boy into a plastic bag and put the bag in a box that he left in a nearby garbage. And it's just wild. He was just never found. And he said he believed the child was still alive when he left him. But I don't, I don't know. And he said in one of his interviews, I just couldn't let go. It felt, I felt like something just took over me. And he does have mental health problems that I will get into, of course. So Hernandez was charged with second degree murder, despite there being no physical evidence to corroborate his confession. In 2015, he was tried, but much like in the episode, that case ended in a mistrial after 18 days of deliberations because one juror declined to convict. There was one juror who said he was swayed by the defense's arguments that Hernandez had mental health problems and that called his confession into question and that said another suspect could have been the killer. Like how in the episode, they're trying to act like it could have been Lomaton. So he was retried, which hopefully, I know they end this episode saying we will retry, but we don't really get any closure. In 2017, Hernandez was retried, found guilty um, of murder and kidnapping. And on April 18th, he was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after serving at least 25 years. So by my calculations, that would be around 2042 that he would be eligible for parole. And um, I mean, he was... Free and clear for what? 25 years? 31 years. years. Yeah. Like 33 years, really. I mean, like he didn't go to, this happened in 79 and he didn't go to jail until 2017. I'm just wondering what ticked off the uh, brother-in-law. I bet you he confessed. I mean, I bet you he told him. Because like if he was dealing with mental health problems, he might have just, you know, been like, I did this thing, you know? So I don't know. But the brother-in-law is what got them to. But yeah, this, like the case, like Aton Pats was like the cautionary missing child case, I feel like nationwide for like the 80s. And then again, yeah, the pa the case was brought up again when Libby Kletsky was um, killed as well and kidnapped, kidnapped and killed because it was just such a short distance, you know, first time going out on your own. So sad. And he's such a cute little boy, but- yeah. Well, yeah, that's that. <laughs> Join us for a postmortem. Oh, God. This is, yeah, depraved. Okay, <laughs> moving it along. <laughs> 
All right, let's get into this postmortem. I mean, sadly, it's just like a so sad other story of like, you know, these this time of this time in this country that was you play until the lights come on, the street lights come on or whatever is what people say. Like, that's how I grew up. You played until the street lights came on. And like letting a little six-year-old walk to school in New York maybe worked for a lot of people, but sadly. Ugh. I can't even imagine it anymore. I mean, I was home alone starting in first grade. Like I made myself Celeste pizzas. I went and played outside. Like I handled my business. I watched Power Rangers on my own. Like I was that classic like 90s kid that was just home alone for hours in the day. And I can't imagine that happening today. I can't imagine yeah. a first grader. Like, you know, I live across the street from an elementary school. I cannot imagine one of those kids I saw at the Halloween parade walking home by themselves. I would never yeah. allow it. Yeah. Not to blame parents. I mean, it's just... Right. But But is life really unsafer? Like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. The dangers have changed, right? Now it's like we give them phones and there's so much danger inside the phones, both psychological and what can well, lead to Well, speaking of danger, so I was on TikTok and I saw this girl, um, she, a young adult, but she was like, hey, you know, I've seen people argue or talk about like parental controls on phones and like internet. And she goes, as a, I'm going to speak from my experience. She goes, I didn't get a phone till I was 12, but I had unlimited screen time with absolutely no supervision. And she says she talked to her parents later in life and they were just like, well, yeah, we trusted you. But she goes, I've been talking to adult men since I was under 10 years old. She goes, I would make profiles and adult men would reach out and I wanted attention and that's who gave me attention. And she goes, and when I got off my phone and all the message boards, she, and then she goes on and on about all the different places, but she goes, I've been talking to adult men on the internet since I was a young child. Wow. Yeah. Like I, 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 and she's like, I'm, this is just a heads up. Like, it's not about trust. It's about like, you got to teach and you got to like watch what's happening because she didn't know it was weird or wrong. Why would she know it's weird to talk to adult men? You know, yeah, we're like, supposed to I respect to, adults. I, and I used to get on, like, I used to get on AOL at these people's house I babysat for when I was, like, 14, just under their family profile and just, like, talk to random dudes in chat rooms. And I assumed they were, like, they would tell me they were in college and I was, like, a freshman in high school. But they easily could have been, like, dirty old men. And, you know, like, it's just, uh, that's wild. That's wild. And her parents trusted her, but it's, like, it's not even about trust. It's, like, curiosity. And they're lucky that you only wanted the attention and you didn't, like, actually seek to go meet up in public, you know? Yeah, it well, this is. Has, this has switched topics, but yeah, like, <laughs> there's so many, like, there's there's so well, many no, dangers. It's not it's not switching topics because it's basically, like, the mom truly did nothing, like, none of these people did anything wrong. Like, if you do live two blocks from school, or maybe Rosie is in third or fourth grade and goes, let me just walk to school on my own. It is a few blocks. Like, yeah. I, you know, is it that crazy? It's not. It's like, as a parent, there's truly... I might let her do it with a friend, like with a buddy. I don't know. It's like very, who, who, like. That's the thing. I the, don't know. The way it's all connected is it's like, you're just, your kid wants stuff. You want to trust them. You need to let them grow. When do you let them go? You don't want to be too strict. Like I had friends in high school that were too, like parents were so strict. 
And or like you finally went to my parents' house, that little townhouse thing where I told you that boy who lived next to me had to just bicycle back and forth and couldn't go around the block. But if I got to go around the block and something happened to me, what would that prove? You know, like as a parent, you're going to blame yourself. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just like because if you lock everything off the Internet, your kid doesn't like you and then they're looking how to get into stuff. There is no. There's no way to 100% protect your kids all it's the time. It's just communication. Like, just yeah. I think it's just open, honest, constant communication, which is hard. It's hard because you're tired or whatever, you know, or. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. things going yeah. on. I mean, it's like, the, it's also like, I don't know. I could see, I could see in like 1979 being like, oh, Soho streets are bustling at. 8 a.m. when it's time to go to school. Like, people are going to see him. He's going to be around other people or whatever. Like, and then he went into a bodega. Just the fact that nobody saw Aton Pats at all. Like, nobody saw this guy take him or anything. Like, there were no witnesses is so wild to me. It's not like they were in a rural area. They were in Soho, you know? Like, it's it's just, like, really. But it's, I mean, it's chilling. I mean, he literally is the face on the milk carton. But... It's sad. But also, yeah, you know, separating the art from the artist. I think Tom Sizemore was a troublesome figure, but he's great in this act in this episode. He's He's very creepy. He's an incredible actor. Yeah, he's he's very good. He's really good. Unless unless he was truly on drugs the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) Then it's a method acting moment. Playing it real. Yeah. I, I don't know which one it is, but... It's, um, and then it's the horrific, like the cement pouring in. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. And it's for like, some reason, I thought Alex Karpovsky did it. Like the whole time I'm like, oh, it's this looky Lou. For sure. It's the looky Lou. And, um, it wasn't. And I, and I've seen this episode f- tons of times. So it is, I well, guess, silly I think that what I you might be that. thinking of is there is another episode where a young guy who wants to be a cop. The show is, Sharon Stone. Yeah. Is fucking around with stuff to like get attention and like get or or find things or whatever. And so that could be what you were thinking of. No, because he didn't do it either. He did want to help. He's no. just an idiot. Yeah. But um, you know, like if you want to be a cop and then you become a cop, okay. I can there's a res- you know, whatever our feelings are, I can respect that a little more than you're obsessed with cops and you're not a cop. That is look. That is yeah. a weirdo. That is, is more worrisome. I would rather fuck a cop than fuck someone that wants to be a cop and can't and is obsessed with cops and is buying cop like merch. That is the scariest thing you can be. So he is an auxiliary auxiliary police officer, which I'm looking up is also called volunteer police, reserve yeah. police, assistant police, civil police. Do these people get paid? No, they're volunteers. <sighs> Wow. This makes They sense. may be armed. It says they may be armed or unarmed. Well, wow. this this reminds me of like it's probably more in smaller towns, but these this reminds me of two celeb stories. So when we had Tucker on, Robert John Burke, he's a volunteer firefighter. And right. so that's really sexy. And then, you know, famously after 9-11, Steve Buscemi went back and volunteered at his old firehouse. And right. Like, we're, so I think it's kind of like that when something's going on and you need a volunteer cop. But like, why would the NYPD need that? They have so many resources and people. I understand if you live in the middle of nowhere, that would happen. Listen, we we have some, impo- you know, give us give us some what would Sister Peg do? Give yes, us some yes. insight. This is our what would Sister Peg do where we direct you towards an organization, uh, a doc, 
um, a book, something to give you more info about what we talked about today. And if you're interested in a little bit more about the Aton Pat's disappearance and, you know, and his murder, unfortunately, uh, we wanted to point you to an episode of uh, CBS's 48 Hours called The Lost Boy. Um, it aired in 2018, and it looks back at the past three decades since his disappearance. Um, and it co- it goes all the way up to the sentencing of uh, Pedro Hernandez in 2017. And the link to the episode will be in our show notes. And the link is like an Apple TV link, but you can also watch it on like Paramount+. Plus. And Hulu, like it, it, it's one of those embargoed things where there's like five different places you can watch it. So uh, 48 Hours, The Lost Boy. And that will be posted in our stories the day this episode comes out and saved forever in our WWSPD highlights on our Instagram page, which is That's Messed Up Pod. Please follow us there. And next week we'll be doing surveillance, um, going all the way back to season three, episode 17. And it's a fun one. So I can't wait to for you to listen next week. I don't know what I'm saying, but thanks so much. Peace out, everybody. Bye. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmessedappod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at That's Messed Up Pod and on Twitter at Messed Up Pod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Casey O'Brien, and our associate producer, Christina Chamberlain. And to our mixer, John Bradley, and our guest booker, Patrick Kotner. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Dun, dun! dun. <laughs> Follow That's Messed Up and SVU Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.